Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for one of the best, most recent New York Times bestsellers. It's kind of complicated there, I wish Nick. I didn't say best twice. Yeah, I wish I didn't. I probably could have said that better. To help me say things better are two high school English teachers. Ian and Joe. Hi, my name's Joe Holshue. I'm one of the two best English teachers on this two. I wanted to say two again. I, yeah, hi, I'm Joe Holshue. I'm words. on a podcast. I teach English. How do I start this again? And Nick, if you were looking <laughs> for one of the most recent buzzy bestsellers, I brought one of the buzziest bestsellers. So buzzy it was sold off the shelves on its release date. Um, I'm glad my mom died. I'm glad my mom is dead. I want to get it right. I keep getting, messing up the title. It's nice that you're glad your mom died, but can you tell us the title of your book? Yeah, I'm glad my mom died is Okay, is we the know, title but can you book. tell us the title of your book, please? Right. The title of my book is I'm Glad My Mom Died. This is like a really bad moral and <laughs> You're a who's skit. on first situation. Yep, it's good. Good times. Long days and pleasant nights, Nick and Joe. Howdy, Litheads. Today, my name is Dr. Prince Ian DeYoung, or possibly Prince Dr. Ian DeYoung. And this week, I brought Stephen King's best-selling new oh. novel, Oh, the imaginatively oh. titled Ooh. Fairy Tale. Oh! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> are you... Uh, are you? Was, that was my pumped? That was my pumped? Oh, okay. I mean, it's kind of um, strange to have some of one of these, you know, big, big writer boys. I think what you mean is not, uh, 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 but in fact, no, see, that's but, weak. <laughs> <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs> Capturing Stephen King while he's on the New York Times bestseller list, Nick, I think what you're trying to say is almost like captioning lightning in a bottle. Like, right, lightning in a bottle, um, where it's like... I don't actually think it's like, it's that rare. No, exactly that guy, well, that guy like writes that. a book every 12 but seconds, but... <laughs> It is interesting though because I I have never um I don't really watch TV shows when they come out um I usually watch them several years later I I didn't start watching Lost until it was entirely finished but and so I and I haven't read King in the moment but um I've I've read good reviews on this and so this is honestly the first time I am part of the uh, immediate cultural You're conversation part of the about experience yeah. yeah I'm caught up in it we're all in the, in this together I'm excited for Cormac McCarthy's new book as well oh. books oh books yeah. books when in november what does that come out november we we think november. uh it's early late october early november so litheads you gotta know those are coming i also want to um uh extend congratulations to annie erno the uh, no, uh nobel prize laureate in uh in uh, literature this year uh, i had never heard of her much like no, i no, have never heard no, of no, many no, of them no 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 sorry i was just giving you some backup thank you i you know that's what did she write many talents Ah, uh, some French stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, okay, so the Nobel Prize comes out, and I say to all myself, <laughs> All of the Nobel Prize comes all out. All the at French once. stuff. Yes. The, all the, no, all the Nobel Prizes come out, and I say, Wow, would be interesting to read that someday. And then I more or less because <laughs> well, I read Nobel a book Prize. of trash every week for you guys. <laughs> You chuckleheads. Well, the Nobel Prize is weird because very frequently the Nobel Prize winner is announced and you're like, amazing. I'm sorry, who? who? 
<laughs> right. Back uh, back to Stephen King. Back to expanding <laughs> your horizons. <laughs> apparently. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call strongly, podcast, where every week we pick a theme, and Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers, but bring book recommendations, and just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. And it always upsets one of us. Yep. Every time. And we have some show rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. That's for our listeners' enjoyment. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. That's also Thank for you. their enjoyment. <laughs> and rule number three, only winning matters, Vince Lombardi. A quote from... The man himself. King of the North. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's and terrible. Of, of course, of course, um, no. we have our shadow rules <laughs> brought to us this week. Brought to us this week by Stephen King. And the shadow rules are kill the editor, kill the editor, kill the editor. Mm-hmm. He wants to take our pretty words. That is what Stephen King would say. That's how he writes books. It sounds like how he writes, you know. That's Has he said thing. that? Well, is that functional? Well, well, he writes it. like that. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, here I am picking the theme of the New York Times, thinking that we would get outside of the realm of old white <laughs> writers and you guys done brought an old white writer joe i don't know anything about an old white writer i brought a young white i brought listen listen don't say young white writer (laughs) Uh, let me enunciate joseph do you want to take 30 seconds and tell me what your (laughs) book book is about by your young white writer (laughs) so jeanette mccurdy uh jeanette mccurdy nick is a person that i had never heard of before this book came out on the cover of this book she is dressed in oh i don't know like a pink outfit holding a pink urn with confetti coming out of it and the title of this book is i'm glad my mom died (laughs) you guys just described the fronts of your books (laughs) That'll uh, really Nick, give me a sense of what they, they're Nick, all about. This is how you buy them in the bookstore. You got to look at the cover first. <laughs> right. You got to judge them by their cover, too. That's important. <laughs> That's what we should do. Just explain the front covers for me, and I'll pick, I'll, I'll pick based on that. Nick, this book is about eating disorders, abusive mothers, hoarding, um, assault. It is about drug abuse. It is about, in short, child acting and what it's like to grow up being a child actor. It's a super easy read, and I think you should read it. Sounds like to me a d- 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 downer. Uh, Ian, it's it's got some resilience. <laughs> Ian, your time has started. <laughs> Through a series of remarkable events, Charlie <laughs> Reed, seventeen years old, discovers a portal to another world, a place from where seemingly all of our fairy tales are drawn. At first, his only reason for going there is to save the life of his ailing dog. But of course, things aren't that simple, and he's drawn into guys ready a struggle between good and evil, where even the fate of the multiverse will be at stake. I brought Stephen King's New York Times bestseller, Fairy Tale. You know what I love about Stephen King premises is if anybody else wrote that book, it would sound really stupid. But when Stephen King's like, yeah, portal opens up to another world, guy goes through it to save his dog. I'm like, yep, I'm on board. I bet that book is awesome. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. (laughs) Well, we'll um, see if if it's good, Joe. We'll we'll (laughs) get into it. I think, think, Ian, um, Ian, can we get into it? Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's okay. Uh, Litheads, Joe has put his new puppy up to the microphone and is, is, I Uh-oh. think this is a form of cheating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, would uh, I go through a portal to save my dog into right, another world? And the answer is right. absolutely. I would. I would go through a portal to save any of my dogs 
if my cat was sick, I would maybe send my wife. The part this brings us to a good first question, Ian. What does this portal look like? Is it um, like green with well, goop? Let me, Is there let like me describe, goop in the middle? Let me describe the cover of my book, which might help you understand. <laughs> Okay. So the, the way you get to the portal is by going down a deep well with um, with a, sp- a spiral staircase around the outside of it. Oh. Um, and um, or like like around the wall, around the, the, the external wall of the, the deep well. And this is what's pictured on the cover of the uh, it's, it's kind of a bluish color cover with a man and a dog peering down into the well. Kind of you're seeing them from above and it's kind of gold gold lit from within. Um, so yes, uh, he, Ooh, so there's gold in the well. Oh, there's so much gold. Like a good fairy tale has some gold, some treasure, Mm -hmm. and there is some serious treasure action in this book. Um, you wish in this well, is it a wishing well? well. It's a a going down well. It's It's a normal well. It's a walk down the stairs well and then walk through a tube. So not like the well in Goonies, like the well in the Stephen King book. Yeah. It's like the well in the Stephen King book. Absolutely. (laughs) Is it? Is your, just to back up, I'm so sorry to just keep, we got to just stick on this well real quick. Is the well you're describing the one from the book you read? Yes. Got it. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. Does anybody ever walk past it and like dust their hands? No. 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 (laughs) Hard cut off. Ian, what is your book about? Okay. So Charlie Reed, our main character, 17 years old, um, like a football and, and track star. He's a, he's a, he's a big, strong guy good-hearted, has a father who's kicked alcoholism. He makes friends with the local recluse, the local hermit, the local kind of shut-in grouch. And the recluse has an ailing dog, and the recluse has a mysterious shed in his backyard, which he keeps locked. Well, of course, after some things happen, Charlie ends up, uh, the recluse dies, the recluse passes away and wills his house to Charlie and tells Charlie there is a passage to another world inside the shed. He also says, my dog is super old and and dying. You need to take this dog to the other world and save the dog's life using a magic sundial. Says you got to put the the dog on the sundial, spin the sundial. Hope it's not cloudy. And the dog will (laughs) be fixed. So Charlie, by this time in the book, has grown to love the dog. The dog is called Radar. The dog is great. The dog is a is, is oh great, a really good dog. The dog is a German yep. Shepherd, uh, and oh. and like we we kind of grow to love Radar along with Charlie. So Charlie does, but when he gets to the other world, the other world is called Empis. Um, when he gets to Empis, he is plunged into a tangle of deadly face melting plague, a haunted city, electric skeleton soldiers, giants, and a Lovecraftian god who must not be named. So this is not like going to. Oz, where there's good things happening along with bad things happening. Like he goes into like a portal to hell kind of. Mm, he goes into the, he goes through a portal into an Oz, which has been swept by a deadly plague. And also there is a Lovecraftian monster. Really. Okay. So whatever. Some <laughs> bullshit happens. Named, yes. Ian, Ian, I have a question. Is this like, okay, so this is what I know about Stephen King. <clears throat> it's, it's, he's a plot. He's a plot. He's a plot boy. He's like he loves a good it's just twists and turns and plot and like is it character like you know what like it's like you could probably you said this book is 600 pages you could probably talk for the rest of your time just about the things that happened yeah and 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 i would actually say i would venture to say that that there's conflict and then ultimately resolution 
Uh, I'm guessing. <laughs> have you read this, Nick? Wait, wow. Ian, is <laughs> there a rising action in this book? Uh, That's yeah, there, 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 there is a climax. In fact, there is a... No, I, it's interesting you, you characterize King that way, Nick, because I would actually say that King's strength is less plot and more world building. So King, okay, is, sure. King is really good at saying... Look at this funky place I've imagined. Whether it's a, a, a town in Maine that's under a, a let a me take you to dome. Funky Town or <laughs> Portal to Funky Town. Why did he not call this book the Portal to Funky Town? Alternate universes, man. It could be anything. Oh, okay. um, he's he's good at saying, "Look at this world I've imagined. Let's see what happens there." And the the joy is really walking through this world and seeing King's kind of creative mind at work. It is one of those writers where like when you're in a Stephen King book, you don't like every once in a while I get a feeling when I read a book where like it's just a place that I like hanging out yeah, in, yeah. right? Like some books I'm just getting through. I want to finish them. I want to get to my bullet points so I can talk about it on this stupid podcast <laughs> with my stupid friends. But like when I'm in a Stephen King book, I'm like, I just kind of want to dip in and hang out yeah, for a little while. Yeah. And and you you start dreading like, you know, it's and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's we've talked about this before. There's the the push of like, oh, it's going to be done soon. The, the, the action is intensifying. But also, I want to like I dread it. I want to stay here forever. Um, so it's it's it is engaging, and the world that he builds is fresh and new. Um, even though I said it's um, a place from where all of our there are connections to all of our fairy tales, it's still fresh and new, um, and it's really uh, it's a delight to hang out in that world. It's only 600 pages, so it's not one of his longest. <laughs> I know, right? Like for, for any other author, again, for any other author, we might, I'd be like, okay, pump the brakes. But this is reasonable for Stephen King. Okay, are you guys familiar with the... Um, there, are, there are a couple of the things to do this. There was a video game called The Wolf Among Us... Um, or there was, <laughs> that's a deep cut. No. I, so actually I am familiar with the video game, the Wolf Among Us. Also, there's a, there's a comic series called Fables, yep, there's a comic series Fables. Yep. Which is, I think related to a Wolf Among Us. I think it's like the same characters, right? Uh, uh Wolf Among Us comes from, from, um, Fables. Uh, Joe, sorry, Nick, you're not, uh, you're, you're not such a nerd as Joe. So I'll say, have you heard of a little show, show I like to call once upon a time? Uh, no, no. Uh, into the woods. <laughs> I'd say into it's the, the woods. It's the it's the sort of like um it's the sort of fairy tale mashup where all the fairy tales sort of come together and every like the the the, the draw is that these are imagined as uh, fairy tales are imagined as an expanded universe where everyone has the chance to to interact. So I thought this book was going to be like that where um you know the big bad wolf runs into Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk and they have a, a throwdown showdown. Got it. But it's not because King has a lighter touch than that. As you read, as as Charlie kind of goes deeper into this world, he makes he picks up on kind of oblique clues, oblique connections to um, fairy tales. So there's an old woman he meets who doesn't live in a, in a ginger, shoe. gingerbread house, right? Yeah, in a gingerbread house. Um, but she does live in a house with. But a shoe she does sh- eat children. No, <laughs> <laughs> but she does lure children. She lives in a house with a shoe shaped sign over the door because she mends shoes. So like. You, you don't uh, have to like a little nah. Yeah, you don't have to look too hard to find it. But also, she's not she's not a caricature. She's not uh, she's not just she's a, a fully formed human character. Um, enough for us to make the connection, but not enough to feel overt or annoying. So this is this is one of the draws of the book. Um, these little breadcrumbs, um, and he he doesn't just he doesn't just do this with fairy tales. As I mentioned, there's this whole kind of Lovecraftian 
thing. Does King, uh, what does King say about his new book? Is, is he doing press junkets? Probably. What, I, what's a junket? I, does Stephen King have to do? Like, I mean, I don't it's know. It's not like Stephen King goes on Conan O'Brien at night. Like, does he have to do publicity for his shows? We got to get him on. What I will say is that like I've, I've recently been sort of tracking on his Twitter more because I feel like he's going to die unexpectedly and I really don't want that to happen. Oh, no. for sure. Um, so I, I yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm making the most of Stephen King while we still have Could him. be his last book. And he is really, he's really on Twitter. He is really, really generous with sort of boosting other people's work. Like when there's a scary movie he watches on Netflix, he just goes on Twitter and says, I watched this great scary movie. It's so chilling. And yes, maybe there's a little bit too much hyperbole. Maybe he'll say mm. things like, it'll rip your spine directly out of your face and hurl it to the floor <laughs> in a firework of blood. It'll ruin your day forever. He does extreme, but it's really heartwarming because I think he he's at or near the top. Like he is the, the household yeah. name. And he's he's signal boosting all kinds of different people Just lifting everybody else up one of my favorite one of my favorite things is uh, about Stephen king's twitter feed is um he has a dog named molly and he refers to molly as the thing of evil and um <laughs> i would say probably a good 25 maybe maybe 20 percent of his tweets are fairly well shot they're not like professional grade they're they're okay pictures of his dog um describing the latest nonsense that his dog has gotten up to um which actually knowing that about him uh, kind of help me understand like he's a dog person and that that clarifies the dog in this book yeah because radar 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 Good is the job. best radar is the best part of i think the best part of this book joe i know you're a dog person nick you're more of a cat person is that accurate uh cats i believe uh might have the worst pr in history <laughs> of animals <laughs> i believe they're well, excellent this dog is not a lot of work. This dog radar is is a good a, the goodest of boys. He is a good boy. Yeah. Um. He he comes into the story um uh, barking because his master has fallen off. Um. The the old guy that that Charlie meets. His master has fallen off the roof and broken his leg. Like we meet him, he is he is um sweet. He is loyal. Um. He's sick and like kind of pathetic, and we feel for him. We get to see him kind of get worse, and then he gets better. Is it a dog bit. book? I mean, the first half of it, it sounds it's like kind of like kind of throughout the dog is like one of the main major players in this book. And the object of the, the quest on the first, like the first quest that gets Charlie into the, the world of Empus is the dog. And honestly, like that quest, his quest to take care of his dog, like the dog is getting sick and the dog is like <clears throat> dying and we're getting to like crunch time. Right, right. He's got to ride. He's got to ride through this creepy deserted city. And there are goblins and giants and creepy noises and the streets are moving and he's got to get. And through. I bet that dog was barking out the car window. Well, at no, cause he's, he's, he's keeping the dog quiet and like the dog is super oh, smart. So if it. you tell the dog, Shh, the dog will be quiet and Good. it's, it's, it's dramatic. And there are, you're just the most kind of primal stakes, the most, um, not like pieces of meat um, that though those those do show up later in the book. The stakes of the story are, will this good boy make it as as a dog person? I'm bought in immediately. Like if you started this, I mean, I think I said it right away. The premise of this, there's a portal you have to go through to save your dog. It's spooky stuff on the other side. Do you go through it? Yeah. My answer is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I am right. there. Well, and then the, 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 the dog is like trying to help when there's danger. And the dog has like these big sad eyes when when he's told he can't like, and, and oh. I think it's, it's obvious that King is a dog lover because like he's talking about um, like the ways that dogs will look at you, the ways dogs seem to know what you're up to. 
Um, it's it's really cool. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself. I like dogs just fine. I wouldn't call myself necessarily a dog person. But this book, huh? I was it's like two to one, Joe. I, I was rooting for it. No, I was. I was temporarily. No, I was temporarily like pulled over to the side of dog person. I was like, man, I want Radar to be okay. Um, he deserves a happy ending. The last thing I have to say is, drum roll, please. Not on the microphone. <laughs> uh, sorry. Did my desk. On my desk. <laughs> Instead of a drum roll, I got an air horn. It's time for trope of the week. Um, the trope of the week this week is what we're calling the Scottish trope. So neither of you guys have a theater background, do you? You're not theater boys, are you? <laughs> Scottish theater? I, I know exactly enough about theater to know what the Scottish what is. The, is. What do you think the Scottish trope might be, Joe? Oh, okay. So the Scottish play is like this. It, it, the Scottish play is this superstition in the theater that you cannot say the name Macbeth in like the theater world at all. You can't name the play that. Um, I think I learned this from Ian when I brought the possibly. Yeah, Macbeth that sounds right. This, yeah. Wait, why can't you say Macbeth? Well, because it's, it's bad luck. Jeez, it's bad luck. We're not doing Nick. theater right now. Wow. Well, I mean, we're all playing characters. Kind of. I'm waving a massive sword. I mean, that's <laughs> that's part of the how I get into characters. Wait, Dr. let me Ian put Young. this skull down. Down. Doctor of Hobbitry. So I think the Scottish trope might be like mm, it, it might be something. It's something that you can't say. Um, In, yeah, but let me give yeah. you let me give you some help. In Harry Potter, mm-hmm. he the Lord he who must not be right. named. If you say the mm-hmm. the name Voldemort, if you say Voldemort, his I'll followers can track you. So this is a mm-hmm. trope in fiction, um, kind of across fiction. The uh, the idea of like the big usually it's the big bad. You can't say their name or um, they will. Got it. Yeah, they will. Um, something bad will happen. Um, so in yeah. this story, this is it's very, very spooky. He introduces this motif very early. Um, he's talking about Jack and the Beanstalk as a as a as an archetypal fairy tale and how in Jack and the Beanstalk, the original version, there's a giant named Gog Magog. And um, it's kind of a goofy name. And so good na- really good name uh, when he goes to. Empus and when Charlie goes to Empus, he's like kind of walks around. He's like, So where's Gog Magog? I should probably see him. But it turns out that this is actually the name of a great old one, basically, more or less, who is living kind of beneath slash parallel to this country. And if he you say his name, he hears you and things happen. There's a place where he Charlie, as I say, he doesn't know this. He kind of just says the name out loud. And the whole dungeon slash palace that he's in sort of moves like a person turning over in their sleep. And so a lot of times this, this trope, the Scottish trope where you can't say the name of something or danger will happen is used just to build suspense. But King does a nice thing where he pays it off at the end and I won't spoil it, but he pays it off where um, the, you can't speak the name of this, of this person, this individual, this, this figure, it ends up being part of the climax. So um, there's your trope of the week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Come back next week for more tropes. Should we just end by all saying climax? All together. One, on, on unison. One, two, three. Climax. 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 <laughs> Goblins and ghouls. It's time for spectacular. Oh, God. Yeah. Hey, Nick, what does a vampire say um, when you do him a favor? This sucks. Uh, thank you. Thangs. Get it, wow. thangs. Oh, like he boy, says that's, fangs, but he says tough. it like, 
Yeah. Uh, thanks. Oh oh Let me try to deliver one more time. <laughs> I don't think it was the delivery. Thanks. <laughs> oh, for that and more, folks. I'm going to bring a book, which was made into a movie, which I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> so I want to have it. Oh, I have a ton of frame reference. Like one of my one of my favorite American short stories is The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson is like a classic, um, a classic horror and psychological author. I'm going to read her novel, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, this is, you know, this is this is real. This is real classic, spectacular stuff. I like it. I'm ready I've to be heard of it. to be haunted and to be hilled and to be housed. Very nice. And I am going to bring a book that is not spooky, spooky. Like, it's not scary, spooky, because I get a little scared right. and spooked when I read stuff like that. Me. But it's kind of like crazy, spooky, crazy, scary. I'm bringing American Psycho, uh, the Brett Easton Ellis novel published in 1991, of course, portrayed by Christian Bale in that spooky. Yeah, that that crazy movie. So I'm bringing a, a thrilling, crazy, knifey book. A knifey book. Ooh, <laughs> that should be a theme. It's time for me to spoil today's Wordle. Uh, Lidheads, you know that I play this religiously. I had a bad spate a couple of days ago where I lost two in a row. I had won like a hundred straight and then I lost yeah. two in a row. It was bad. Um, but I'm back on I'm back on top and uh, I'll just let you know. Uh, don't pause your, your podcasts. I'll tell you right now. The word of the day is pusillanimous. P-U-S-I-L-L-A-N-I-M-O-U-S, meaning showing a lack of courage or determination or timid. So go ahead and head on over to those wordles. Punch in the word pusillanimous. And if it doesn't let you, just keep on punching those letters in. You'll get there. I believe in you. You know, some words feel like what they are. Like the word flimsy doesn't feel very rigid. The word shy doesn't feel very brave, right? Like some words have that yeah. feeling to them. Um, the word subtle has yeah, like a absolutely. secret the, yeah, in the middle yeah. of it, right? But the word pusillanimous, 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 that does not sound like what you just said it is. It sounds like it stinks. It sounds like putrid or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. This has been Spoiling Today's Wordle. I hope you guys go ahead and take advantage of that. Joseph, Joseph. Yes, yes. Uh, Tell us about your book. I do want to tell you about my book this week, but first I brought a game. Oh, thank goodness. It is high, high time. The name of this game, it is, it has been, I feel like it's been a while. We've played a few like off the cuff games lately, but this is like a research, like like, I am, it is an on the cuff game. The name of this game is Child Star or Child Stinker. (laughs) And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the name of a child star. Um, So I think in all cases, you'll recognize the, the star. That I'm going to talk okay. about. And I want you to tell me. Oh, Ryan. Did things turn out well oh. for this child star? In that case, they're going to be a child star. Or did things turn out extremely poorly for this child star? And in that case, they're going to be a child stinker. stinker. Joan, I take mm-hmm. issue with it. So it's almost a where are they now? Yeah, it's where are they now? This game could be called where are they now, <laughs> but I like child star. But a child or child stinker. stinker. Are you suggesting that children who don't end up well, it's because they are pusillanimous they smell uh it's because they didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps ian it's their own they, fault though uh, <laughs> jd vans what are you doing here hard work so um i want to start with oh who do i want to start with i have a list in order but i don't know, uh, Joe, do I, know I feel like I this is going to be very obvious but let's let's go let's go well let's we'll, go let's we don't know also 
It's extremely subjective. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of these are clear stakers. Our first child star is the... Um, Olsen twins. The quintessential child star. Olsen twins is really good. I actually brought Macaulay Culkin. Ooh, um, mm. Macaulay Culkin. Home Alone. Home Alone 2. Yeah. Richie Rich. I, other things. Um, Nick, knowing nothing else except for who Macaulay Culkin is... Maybe some background that you have. Ian, you are also welcome to play. Thank you. Would you classify? Do you think, do you think Macaulay Culkin is a child star? Things have turned out well for him or a child. How are you defining you know, turned just, out? Well? What are like, the because some child stars here. end up on cocaine? I, is but this going to tie into the book? We have so many questions. I think he's a stinker. I mean, because I haven't seen him on any Netflix streaming programs lately. Mm hmm. And that's it, that's the benchmark for success, I think. Do you have a Netflix streaming program? Yeah, if you're on Netflix. <laughs> okay. All right. Ian, uh, we have one vote for child star. I think he's probably a child star. Things seem fine for this him. This game feels very mean. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I have Macaulay, brought two facts about these people's <laughs> lives. I think Macaulay Culkin is going to come off very well in this game because he is clearly a child oh, star. By Nick. all accounts, he's doing well. He DJs at various nightclubs. <laughs> he has a band that plays and he has like a long-term relationship and continues to act. Also late in his career, he's done like some very like tongue in cheek, self-referential stuff where it's like, Oh, right. I'm a colleague Culkin. All right, Nick, second one, Peter Billingsley. This is a name that you're not going to know. I don't but know he's that the name. kid from a Christmas story. Um, he's the kid Oof. that shoots his eye out. Spoiler alert for a Christmas story. Wait, um, is whoa, he a child? Wait. Star? He actually he shoots. His, he does sticker. shoot his eye out. In a Christmas story? Doesn't he wear an I've eye never patch? Seen, that I've never movie? seen a Christmas story. I don't think he actually shoots it out. I think he gets shot in the eye in a Christmas right, story. Right, but he's not like blind by the end of the story. Well, like I guess maybe. I guess it heals. Do eyes eyes are very <laughs> eyes resilient. <laughs> <laughs> Famously um, tough. Okay, I'm gonna just apply my own standard of success, which means have they been in rehab in the past five years? That's gonna be my new standard. So I'm gonna say Stanker, definitely in rehab. I guess I'll... Do you want to... Should we dunk on this guy? <laughs> I can't. I'm going to say he's a child star. I, I feel bad okay. for him. I love him. <laughs> too nice. I am. Um, he is, in fact, a child star. Ah, Congratulations, My Ian. faith um, in humanity Later is in life, he... I don't know what this could possibly have to do with your book. So. <laughs> he stays. Um, he's an executive producer. He still works in Hollywood. He produced Four Christmases, Iron Man, and The Breakup. He produced he, Iron um, Man? Done. He produced <laughs> Iron Man. Oh, this guy's... Okay. That, so that guy's a child I think that's stuff. on Netflix. All right, Nick, Dustin Diamond. Do you know who Dustin Diamond oh, is? Oh, stinker. Yeah. Yeah, so Dustin for, Diamond is Screech. Tell me, about, can, tell me what you know about okay, Dustin Okay, this Diamond. is what I know about Dustin Diamond. Uh, Dustin Diamond is from... Wisconsin, Wisconsin, uh, like he Racine, played right? Screech. He played Screech, and um, a couple years back, I think he stabbed somebody in a bar in Wisconsin and is in jail. <laughs> so I'm gonna say stinker. <laughs> Ian, anything to add? Uh, no. Now, Ian, remember no, he stabbed somebody in a bar. <laughs> he's in jail, so I he can't hurt me. <laughs> That's right. Um, Dustin Diamond is in fact a child stinker. Nick, you have deep knowledge of Dustin Diamond. You get that like, was like in the paper. Yeah, he's he's in he's yeah, a Wisconsin he, boy. Um, um, he had a house in Port Washington, Wisconsin, what? which is right in your neck of the woods. Why are you saying out there? A house it's in a nice lakefront village. Wow. 
uh, house in Port Washington, yeah. Wisconsin. He went on the Howard Stern show to promote $15 t-shirts that he was selling uh, nice. uh, that said, I paid $15 for this t-shirt to save Screech's house. He had to spell Screech with an extra E to avoid um, like yeah, some legal, legal implications. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he did get in trouble for pulling out a switchblade in Ozaki County in Wisconsin. Um, a person did get stabbed in that altercation. And the only piece that you missed is um, this isn't really a reflection on him as a person. Um, he is actually now dead. Oh, he no. some, yeah. He, he got <laughs> some sort of cancer, that. some sort of lung cancer and he's died. Oh, so well, uh, way to drag his name through the mud. Well, guys. I boy fan of the show. Screech is here folks. Um, if you, everybody from Wisconsin knows this, but I doubt other people know this only because he lived, you know, 20 minutes from my house. Right. Uh, he's a dick. Mm-hmm. He was the biggest dick ever. And if you went up to talk famously to him, so. famous, famously an asshole. Yep. Like everybody in a hundred mile radius is like, I met Screech at a bar once. It was the worst interaction I've ever had with a human. being. Right. And you have to imagine those interactions were probably terrible for him. Right. I mean, they were they probably just be. unbelievable. So it had to be his own personal hell. Everybody coming up to you for the rest <laughs> of your life, asking you about being Screech. Or like just yelling at you, Screech. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nick, I've got just two more. Danielle Fischel. Danielle Fischel. Um, this you is. You don't know how to say her name. Topanga <laughs> Lawrence. Topanga Lawrence. Let's just call her by the name we know okay. her as. Topanga Lawrence from Boy Meets World. Uh, is she a child star? Is she a child star? Ian, why don't you go first on this one? Oh, I think I think she might have gotten in trouble. She. Uh-oh. The name, Stinker. the name sounds. Maybe she's dead too. <laughs> the name, the name echoes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, child who ended up badly. I'm not gonna Stinker. say child stinker. Uh, I'm gonna say star. I think she's doing just Ooh, fine, okay. folks. Just fine. So the, the, the script. Guys, Topanga Lawrence is a child oh, star. Good. Ian, of you're course. so negative. She's doing you're so, so well. mean, dunking on these people, Ian. She <laughs> in this, she in this, is um, in not this thoughtful game that's informative yet fun <laughs> and entertaining. <laughs> She has not acted a ton. She's focused on directing rather than acting. Um, however, she did direct like Girl Iron Meets Man. World. Um, yes, <laughs> she, was she did Iron some Man. Disney Channel stuff. Um, the reason she makes this list is because she married her husband, Good. writer, Good. podcast host, and viral serial tweeter Jensen Carp in 2018. <gasps> so, what? guys, we have a podcast. We could be viral tweeters. We could have married Topanga. Do you know why Jensen Carp? Do you know why Jensen Carp went went viral? Most recently, I don't know who no. he, he staged. He got some. He got some pieces of shrimp and he covered them in what? like the goo from um like frosted flakes. And he put the pieces this. of shrimp in his frosted flakes. And then he took viral photographs and said, "I can't believe this happened to my frosted flakes." This is I, wait. Topanga's what? husband That's, did yes. that. Is happening? Yes. I, I want more than that for Topanga. Well, Lawrence. she may be married. She deserves down. I don't know. Uh, last one, Jody Sweeten. You might not know who Jody Sweeten is, but this is Stephanie Tanner from Full House, the middle Tanner girl. She's not DJ. She's not Michelle. She is Jody Sweeten. Uh, Stephanie Tanner. Is she a child star? Stinker. Is she a child? Gotta stinker? be a stinker. Statistically speaking, the Olsen twins took all the good luck. <laughs> Those greedy little twins. <laughs> just insane. And that other twins, one, that other that sister luck. with her good luck too. Yeah, with all those Marvel films. Um, I guess I'll, I'll say, go back to the positive. I'll say she's a star, whatever. 
Hmm. No, she's a stinker. Know. She had a very rough run of things. Um, although things have gotten better for her. So, you know, there's there's um there's light at the end Good. of this tunnel. So you say um, she, she just actually that, was giving things have gotten better. This is another Wisconsin connection. Uh, she was giving a speech at Marquette University while coming down for, uh, to, from a two-day methamphetamine, cocaine, and ecstasy what? binge, and she <laughs> had yeah. a breakdown on stage. On stage. Uh, since I then, bet this she's is on YouTube. Be- we'll post it, Litheads. <laughs> she got sober for good in 2008, um, and then she began working as a clinical logistics coordinator in a drug rehab facility and completed her degree well, as a drug her. and alcohol counselor. Um, the reason that she ends this list is because her mother, Jody Sweeten's mother, was an agent, a child star agent oh, in here Hollywood. Here we go. Here we and go. That directs connect. Uh, that directly connects to "I'm Glad My Mom Died," the book I read this week by Jeanette McCurdy. Okay, Nick. Yep. Jeanette McCurdy is a name that I didn't know before. Joe, this did week. you read a book this week? <laughs> the book of Wikipedia. Jeanette McCurdy's name I didn't know before this week. It is a girl um, who was a co-star of the Nickelodeon television show iCarly. Is that Are you the, familiar with this show? Uh, I don't know this one. iCarly, yes. Wait, it has, was the girl who's That's, sassy and she's in a lot of memes now. Oh, great. Um, iCarly, is, <laughs> <laughs> is, is that true or are you messing up? It's now? true. <laughs> I would right. not lie iCarly was like a big deal. Oh, I don't know. In the early 2000s, the mid 2000s. What are we in now? Maybe the 2010s. Um, iCarly was a big deal. Um, It was a big deal for the right age group. I had no idea what iCarly is. I asked my freshmen about it and every single one of them grew up watching this show. Like they knew who Jeanette McCurdy was. They're like, oh, that's the that's the friend from iCarly. And I said, yeah. And they said, yeah. Is this in your book? My freshman? Nick, no. All right. This is a. Um, Jeanette McCurdy writes a memoir about her life growing up as a child actor. She is no longer an actor. She um, has exited the business. The biz. And she had a rough go of things. The show biz. Um, I don't call it show, show friends. Mm-hmm. This book starts when she was uh, six years old, auditioning for like local commercials and things like that. And it goes up until like kind of sort of recently. Um, she like 2017, I believe, is when she announced her retirement from acting for good. What's the name of your book? Uh, the name of my book is I'm Glad My Mom Died. So it sounds like maybe she didn't have a great relationship with her mom. Is that too much of a stretch? No, it's really Thank good. <laughs> yeah. Judging a book it's by really its crisp cover. Analysis. Keen observation, Ian. This book is told from the point of view of Jeanette McCurdy as she grows up. It doesn't take you to get very long into this book to also be glad that her mom died. Um, she, she, I mean, she is a child actress and she comes from a mom who is domineering and pushy and really puts her daughter's fame in front of things like her daughter's well-being or her daughter's happiness or her daughter's health and things like that. Not good. Um, no, it's not good. Under what um, circumstances would that uh, be good? Well, by the classic <laughs> measurements of parenting, those are bad things, right? Right. You tend to optimize for things like health and happiness. happiness. And right. Okay. No, her, her mom optimized for fame. Can my daughter get famous? Mm. 
All right. And I guess by that metric, her mother was incredibly successful well, yeah. because this girl, like in the, in the realm of child starhood, like child stardom, this girl hit it big. Like she was on one of the most popular shows for a child actress to be on. She got her own spinoff show in which she co-starred along with Ariana Grande as like roommates in this, um, well, whatever. Um, like she was incredibly, incredibly successful. I don't have deep Disney knowledge. Me deep Nickelodeon knowledge fine. Like I she grows up in a family that is, I guess like the nicest way I can say it is like kind of trashy. Like her mom is a hoarder. They live in, it's not exactly a trailer. It's like a really crummy apartment that they can never pay the rent on. Like her, her, grandparents own this apartment um but they they can still never pay the rent on time um her other grandparents live in this place with them and everything is full, so full of stuff that they all sleep on trifold costco mattresses on the floor um there's a moment that stuck with me where her mom breaks a coffee mug and instead of throwing the coffee mug away she puts it in a plastic bag like in a ziploc bag because she wants to quote preserve the memory um so kind of classic quarter like like mental health behavior things here right like classic quarter mental health question for you joe why Mm -hmm. in the world would anybody want to read this book outside of obviously big iCarly fans (laughs) and like why why is it so popular because it it like Mm -hmm. when it came out the buzz man the buzz was deafening yeah, the the buzz was definite. It was a buzzy, buzzy bestseller. It still is yeah, a buzzy, buzzy bestseller. Best it came out at the end of August. Um, yeah, when this came out, like you could not get it on store shelves for the first oh, I don't know, like couple of weeks. Like it was selling out as soon as it went. Um, I think I think there's a few reasons for its popularity. The glimpse into the life of a child star sure. is pretty fast yeah that's right? immediately it's, maybe interesting to people immediately yeah. interesting it's a combination like when i was reading this i kept thinking it's a combination of all these reality shows that i'm like kind of familiar with it's like one part hoarders and one part toddlers and tiaras mm. and one part stage moms right like oh i love that one mm, and it, it is it's kind of like this weird little storm of all of these like all of these slices that we see like that are the worst pieces of humanity rolled into one <laughs> Right. Um, it's like, like a that's Kardashian the, cornucopia. Corna Kardashian. <laughs> and and it's the world. That's right. It's the world that this girl lives in. It's the world that Jeanette grows up in. Last time when I talked about um, Morris Bird the Third, I said one of the interesting things about that book that I read is you get this narration of very serious events through the eyes of Kid World. Right. Like Morris Bird the Third lives in Kid World and he interprets things like the gas holder, like the gas tower exploding through the eyes of a kid seeing that. Jeanette McCurdy narrates this from her point of view when she was the age that these things are happening to her. So when she is like eight years old and her mom is putting on permanent eyeliner and tinting her eyelashes because you can't see these things or or whatever, um, you get it from Jeanette McCurdy's point of view and she never is judgmental of it in the moment right like she's never judgmental of it in the moment she kind of explains why her mom's doing these things and she explains why it doesn't bother her because a kid can't comprehend those bigger thoughts so is the idea that it's it's narrated still right like i it's not like it's this like oh yes no very clearly yes it it is i did this mom did this to me yes okay interesting that's 
pretty interesting, right? The result, it's it's compelling as the result, right? It, <laughs> the result is really compelling to read because like, it's very strange because when you read reviews of this book, a lot of people talk about it being funny. They're like, oh, it's so funny. Like her voice is so funny. Not in the traditional sense, well, once again. But, it's, <laughs> but when I read it, like I never really got the sense that it was funny. Like it never made me laugh out loud, but there is something humorous-ish about it. And I think what yeah, it is, light. is like- She keeps it light. She keeps it relatively light. But I also think the thing is, is like- when you read this as an adult, like when you read this with somebody who totally understands what is going on here, like you understand where mom is coming from, you understand what is actually going on. There's kind of this ironic detachment or like this, like peek behind the curtain where you almost have to laugh because you would cry otherwise, right? Like it's, it really is this thing that you see. Yeah. It's really heavy. It, it's really heavy. It it's so surprising and so shocking and you understand it for what it is when the narrator does not. And the result, it, like it doesn't make you laugh, but it does feel absurd. It does feel humorous. It may be absurd. Maybe that's exactly what it is, right? Like you see the absurdity of this situation. And maybe I think, I think sometimes um, absurd absurdity is a way to cope with truly dreadful things. Um, not just laughing because laughing to relieve tension, which is like one of the ways that we relieve tension, but also when there are things that are so beyond the pale that we can't comprehend them. One of the ways that you, you, you process is through kind of resorting to absurdity. Yeah. The other thing that keeps you reading this book is like, we have a very clear goal in mind, right? Like Jeanette is bought into this goal. Her mom is bought into this goal and they want to be a star. When we go up and we see her progression from being this bit part in a commercial to being hired as a background actor, to getting a close up because they need some kid that's really good at looking scared to when she's like eight years old and is able to cry on command. So she starts like getting booked all sorts of work because she has like this magic power to cry on command. Like with each little win that she gets, you kind of get the thrill of victory. Like she is advancing through this world in a very methodical right. way. Right. I, like it's almost like playing an RPG. Every chapter well, it's almost like she's, she's leveled up just a little her bit. Mom a point of view. Right. Is right. that almost so, like her mom's yeah. point of view, like those wins? Well, and so often in this book, especially in the early chapters, her mom's point of view is Jeanette's well, point of view. Sure. Right? Okay. Like, right. like you Jeanette, that, yeah. Jeanette loves her mom. Or she wants what her mom wants. Like she has internalized her mom's point Which, of view. Which honestly, it's probably also like shining a light for some people. Maybe, maybe a lot of people on the drive, the, sort of the grind set, the drive for success. Like what, what will you sacrifice and those kinds of things? Because we might see more of ourselves in in the the mom than we would like. I, I think it's hard because I think when you think about the mom in this book, like when you read this book, it is very clear to you as an outside observer that mom has mental health okay. issues, right? Like it, it's super clear that mom has mental health issues. It's also clear to you though that what she wants for her daughter is an understandable thing to want for your daughter. Right. Like she wants her daughter to have a successful right. life. And like for her, that means being a successful, successful child actress. And mom is willing to do pretty much anything that yeah. she can in order to achieve that for yeah. her daughter. So it's almost like, it, do you know what it is? 
Do you know how like when you watch um, Breaking Bad, one of the pieces of that show that's absolutely genius is you meet Walter White at the beginning of that show and he's one way. And you meet him at the end of that show and he's totally transformed. Like he has gone from like yeah. this, like kind of like sloppy, yeah. like loser high school teacher to a, to like an oh, evil, just dude, a real right? loser high school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's the transformation. And the beautiful thing about that show is every single step that you see, every single decision that Walter White makes as a viewer, you see his entire de- devolution. Yeah. And as a viewer, you never, ever, ever once think that's, that's not out of what character. he would do. That's, like, yeah, that's right. out of character. It, everything he does is in character and fits with his motivations. And it's just step right. by step by step. That's almost what it's like seeing Jeanette rise through the ranks of Hollywood stardom here. Right. Like it's like every si- single step that she makes is a win. Sure, you're, you're making me want to watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> <That's a good laughs> so it's really compelling. And you see like all the damage that this does to Jeanette. Um, it's kind of good for her family, but it comes at a tremendous personal cost for her. Um, her physical health, her mental health. Um, she she runs into eating issues. She um she she gets into like a really skeezy relationship with like a producer on one of her shows who obviously groomed her. Oof. Like it's it's yeah, it's really bizarre and really. And you said this wasn't a downer. Then did you say how the mom died? Um, they, they we do get to it how she dies. Um, her mom has a relapse of her cancer, hmm. which she um starts the book by beating by you know I guess quote beating. Hmm. So it is a downer. Like the themes are absolutely a downer. I think the weird trick that this that this book pulls off is like it is a downer, but the book reads. Light and it reads light because it's from a kid's point of view. It reads light because the language yeah. in it is straightforward and simple. The chapters are short. Each one like is progress and feels like leveling up. So it kind of propels you forward through this clear, through this career, through this incredibly destructive career, making it feel like a victory a lot of the time. Interesting. So like if you slow down and stop, you're like, oh dang, this is dark. But in the moment, maybe. Well, and yeah, it is. It is dang. This is dark. But even in the moment as a kind of a, a intelligent reader, you're like, oh, this isn't good. But I also kind of can't stop. Yeah, can't put it down. Joe, I ask my students to do this sometimes when we've read a couple of texts that are similar to each other. And I'm interested in like what they make of the similarities. So you read um, Hillbilly Elegy a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and that story has a different perspective on yeah. kind of starting from the bottom. Now we hear um, and maybe mm. has some different like lays blame in different ways or maybe not. So like what mm. would briefly what would you do? Like, what, when, if we put these side by side, what do we get by putting a book like Hillbilly Elegy next yeah. to next to um, I'm glad my mom died. Yeah, my recollection of Hillbilly Elegy is that the Hillbilly Ness, which is I, I still think like the best part of that book, like when I think of that book, like it's still the best part. The Hillbilly Ness in that book is kind of celebrated. Like it's kind of seen as like, oh, this is fun and interesting. And t- let me tell you about my grandma who lit my grandpa on fire because he came home late one night. Like, ha 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 ha. Right. <laughs> in this book, there is almost no. Not only is there almost no judgment for her family, right? Like for her mother, particularly, right? Her dad is kind of a non-factor. He's around, but he's just working in that. Not only is there almost no judgment for her fact for her family, there's almost no reflection from Jeanette at all in this book. 
this book is very much just the facts, ma'am. Like, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened next. Let me tell you how it affected me. And it's never saying like, like she never has a moment where she says like, I understand where my mom was coming from. And I think she was dealing with mental health issues and she just wanted what was best for her family. Like Jeanette never, ever tells us that it is totally up to you to figure out and bring kind of your own understanding and interpretation to. Interesting. Yeah. So it was a good book. I understand why it was so popular. It has this combination of like child star and boy, who doesn't like a where are they now game, right? Um, Like the downfall of a child star. (laughs) It has a comment. It's super easy to read. Um, It it does pull you forward. It's it's a pretty I, I hesitate to say like a great book, but boy, it is a compelling book and I get why it's popular. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, Tiffany's, a safe place where you can tell me all the bad things about your book. Love And it won't be held against you. Ian, would you like to go first (laughs) since you went first? Yeah. So here's the thing. My book (laughs) (laughs) is 700 pages long. No, no, it it flies. Honestly, like I was concerned about getting through 600. That's not an issue. The thing. Oh, and there's also pictures. I didn't mention that. There's pictures. But the thing that the Tiffany's, the Tiffany's (laughs) thing. <laughs> what? That Nick's, his time is it is about? Over. He doesn't get about to add new No, good this things. can't be held against you or for you. Yeah, exactly. He's not. Yes. Yeah. Um, the thing about this book is get to the our point. Our main Ian. character, this is fast, baby, keep it going. Our main character does not talk. It's it's from his point of view, Charlie. Right? He doesn't talk like a seventeen-year-old. He talks like. A 75-year-old Stephen King is pretending to be a 17-year-old. <laughs> so no, no, no. some of the references are off base. I'm like, I love Stephen King's voice. It's it's but it's delightful. Um some of the observations does, that Charlie does makes young boys say things like shagadelic and groovy. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I've got an example in a second. Does he say yeet? Some of the some of the points that Charlie makes about the world are points that I swear I've seen C- Stephen King tweet about the world. Um oh, the book yeah. was written during That's COVID. That's the problem with Twitter. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the issue. The book was written during COVID, and I, I really feel like it's the only issue. I got a I got a sense of how Stephen King interacted with the world, and I there's a line. How many how many kids, Joe? You're a a professional who works with children. Mm-hmm. How many yes. kids would talk about everybody in the world bopping around with powerful computers in their pockets? <laughs> Yikes. The All phrase, right. the one of the things about Joe, teaching high the school is bopping that, around. Yep, yeah, bopping around. Joe, one of the things about teaching high school that's so obvious is every single person on the planet misremembers what they were like when they were 17 years old. Right? <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> like every time somebody tells you when we were that age, we were good at this or we didn't do this. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Like you were exactly like this when you were this age. Do you know how I know that? Because every kid I've ever taught has been exactly like this. Also, uh, as long as we're bringing back old corners, I've got a slang corner. The word yeet um, has been in the New York Times crossword puzzle twice in the last week, which means it is officially no longer slang. It is now purview of the New York Times. (laughs) Oh, now now we can use it. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Sweet. It's it's unlocked. I can tell students to use it in their formal writing. Joe forfeit his safe space with a yeet fact. Wait, no, I do have the same space thing. It's super short. A lot of people, when they read this book, I a lot of people talk about how well it's written. They talk about it being a very, very well written no book. It's a phrase this. that comes up all the There's, time. Uh, so she did no, write she it. Good fu- question. No, I looked into this didn't. a little bit. Like, no, did she, she have didn't. a ghostwriter? 
Well, this is why I think she wrote it. A lot of people talk about how well-written this book is. I don't actually think it's very oh, well written. I just think it's very, well, I just think it's, oh, I think trashed. it's very simply written, right? Like, and it's a style that I think people don't come across very much. It's a lot of short sentences, short paragraphs. Things are declarative. Things are straightforward. It has an effect. Like it definitely has a feeling yeah. when you read it, but I don't think well-written is necessarily like the thing I would describe yeah, yeah. it as. Yeah. It has a feeling, but I, but I think it was a little tiring once you notice. I don't think it. anybody writes their own books these days. I, can I think there's like four people. I think it's like the pop music industry. There's like four people writing every song. I can guarantee. I can guarantee Stephen King wrote my book because it's way longer <laughs> than it should be. Uh, Ian, you lose. Um, oh, bummer. I, I do love Stephen King, and it's possible I might read this book one day. But it, I just, I'm not putting it on the calendar. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good. I think Stephen King books are like road trip books. Oh, like I yeah, think like baby. it's like Groovy. here's a long audio book that when you yeah. just want to eat, <laughs> you just want to eat. After we're done recording, I want to I want to spoil I want to spoil something for you guys. Sweet, because oh, I've got you to share. Don't it. Even get to hear it. Yeah, litheads, you don't get to hear. It. Okay, uh, litheads, what you do get to hear is Secrets me telling you. Please go to our website. You don't know litpodcast.com. Uh, request a sticker there or several. I'm still sending them out at a breakneck speed. Uh, you can suggest themes. Um, you can suggest books or you can suggest themes and books together. You can tell bookish friends about how cool we are and what a great trio of podcasters we are and how we like to yeet our words into the universe. Oh man, I, I, let's wrap this up. I got to go get take a yeet. <laughs> I got to see what I'm eating tonight for dinner. Oh man, I feel like there have been more puns today. Um, you can also uh, like and, and uh, subscribe on the various podcast platforms of your choice. But most of all, Litheads, Keep reading. Keep having fun with that. Because if you stop reading, no, I guess we would keep reading anyway. Never mind. Yeah, we would keep reading. Uh, we, congratulations we keep to reading. Jeanette for finally slipping the surly bonds of her mother. Congratulations to the Litheads for hearing this win. And congratulations to Joe. You are a good Good Thank winner. you. All right. I've got a quote. Um, as she, as you could imagine, and as I've talked about, has um suffered well, she she's had her bouts with eating disorders through the years. Um, actually, once she she was a child star, and when you're a child star, when your body changes, it's a big deal. And once she realized she was hitting puberty, she talked to her mom and she's like, Hey mom, is there anything I can do to stop this from happening? And her mom said, Honey, I have a secret for you. It's called calorie restriction. Oh, no. um, yeah, it's it's really it's not horrible. Too late, um, this Nick, is a for little bit to- of yeah. <laughs> Jeanette writes. I have over a decade's worth of eating disorder experience at this point. There were the anorexic years, the binge eating ones, and the current bulimic ones. The more experience I've got, the more I recognize that the body is hardly a reliable reflection of what's going on inside it. My body has fluctuated frequently and drastically throughout the decade, and no matter how it's fluctuated, no matter whether my body is a kid size 10 slim or an adult size 6, I've had an issue underneath it. People don't seem to get that unless they have a history with eating disorders. People seem to assign thin with good and heavy with bad, and too thin also with bad. There is such a small window of good, and it's a window that, I'm, that I currently fall into, even though my habits are so far from good. I'm abusing my body every day. I'm miserable. I'm depleted. And yet the compliments keep pouring in.